Welcome to Get Fresh with Michelle Gerasoli, a podcast that gives you fresh ideas for living your best life. Enjoy our conversations and learn what the acronym FRESH means, food folks and fun, resources of recreation, experiences and entrepreneurs, our sponsors, and our happiness moments. We hope that you enjoy this podcast hosted by me, Michelle Gerasoli, serial entrepreneur and founder of roadtrips.us. This is Get Fresh with Michelle Gerasoli podcast. Welcome to Get Fresh with Michelle Gerasoli. Today, I am happy to have guest Robin Ivy. Welcome, Robin. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you for having me. So glad to have you on. I We've known each other for quite some time now, and I have known you in many different capacities, but I did a quick search on your website, and I love that when people ask you what you do for a living, you say, I see people for a living. Mm-hmm. I know it's, it's so not really ways. like, it's not really a great sales copy. I, my copywriter people <laughs> will tell me you can speak to that, but it's just true. I mean, that's in every rendition of who I become as my life has unfolded. It's always some version of seeing people. Right. I really grew up with a camera in my hand and spent over 20 years as a photographer as a family photographer, then a commercial photographer, an interiors photographer. And so, and in that space, there's really a lot of seeing of people even within that. So, yeah. Right. You bear witness to them in many ways as a photographer, as a coach, as a teacher. And we're going to talk about some cool new stuff that you're doing uh, in this podcast. So I always start with the, uh, the F for fresh, which is food. What is your favorite food? If you had to make it right now in September, what would it be? All right. Well, I'm going to share what I'm obsessed with right now because the the if because I'm telling everybody, so I might as well tell you. There is a restaurant that opened in Newport not long ago. It's called Justo. Have you been? It's on no. the water, it's on the waterfront. Okay. Um, and I revolted because our waterfront is shrink, shrinking, and I didn't really want to go to the places that were the reason we didn't have view of our waterfront anymore. So it took me like a long time to go there. Then I went there, and <laughs> they made this wasn't a ravioli. It was some kind of Italian pasta stuffed with some creamed corn concoction. Huh, that's oh, yeah. unique. That's what I thought. And then I had it and it wasn't just unique. It was mind blowing and it was delicious. <laughs> oh. And I don't know, but I'm not even that much of a foodie. And I have not stopped thinking about that dish for the past three weeks. Justo so, in Newport. Justo in Newport. It's called the Angio, I don't know. I can't remember. It's the it's the creamed corn stuffed pasta and the grilled melon salad to die for. Uh, yep, uh, to die for. Note to self: don't record these at dinner time because yeah, now that's I'm right. Now I just want to go order <laughs> grilled melon salad and some pasta stuffed with creamed corn. Yep. Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, good. Now I have that on my bucket list. Thank you right. for that. You're welcome, mm-hmm. girl. Um, that's a that's a friend date right there. Yes, let's do it. Let's yes. do it. Okay. Um, a friend of mine and, and I have been exploring gazpacho for the summer. We oh, were trying to, fun. so we looked, you know, we did the Google search and we found 10 restaurants in the area that did gazpacho. Well, none of them actually had it on the menu when we got there because it's very seasonal. So I just made it myself. So I, you know, it's, that was my summer food uh, attempt, which is, you know, someday I will sit somewhere and have a nice bowl of gazpacho that has been made for me, but nice summer and dish. There's also like a cucumber soup. Right. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of cold cucumber business that I think would be pretty delicious. Yeah, we're moving into cold weather soon. So I'm sure this the next few thing, episodes yeah. will be about comfort foods. Cornbread which... and chili. 
<laughs> oh, cream corn. There you go. Go to just oh, get that. In. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you for that You're tip. Welcome. Yeah. All right. Recreation is our number is our letter R. So let's mm. talk about um, a, a pastime of yours that you've been exploring. Okay. Which one would you like to talk about? There's a bunch. I love the tree portal. When you brought me to your tree and called it a portal and it just opened up magical experiences. I want to talk uh -huh. about that. Okay. So for the listener, um, I don't know, a million years ago, my ex-husband was a naturalist and an animal tracker and the, the, the handsome guy in the woods with the cutoff t-shirt, you know, <laughs> hunting things. And, um, and all of his friends were like animal trackers and such. And so these naturalists introduced me to an, um, an agent idea called a sit spot, which is really a place out in nature that you would sit and be present really before mindfulness took off and all the apps took off, um, sit spots mm -hmm. were the naturalist version of mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. And the idea with a sit spot is that whether you live in an urban area or you live in a, um, in a scenic place, you can sit by in this spot. It doesn't have to be the tree, but you can sit in this spot and then you pay attention every day to what's happening there. And you just go there and you develop a relationship to this place. And it's a way of deepening your connection to your sense of place to your ability to notice because you start to pay attention to like, well, what are the little animals here? Well, what got moved? But last, since I was here yesterday, what happens in the change of season? And it becomes a curiosity and a, a presence and a noticing practice. And so I had decided a few years ago to re-inhabit that practice and decided to sit with a hemlock tree in my backyard. And in doing so day after day after day, I really developed this relationship with this tree in my yard which was somewhat unexpected. And at a certain point, I really was guided to circle the rock in stones per a conversation I had with another friend of mine who's also very interested in trees and sit spots. Um, and she had encountered a tree surrounded by stones where she lives in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And hers was high enough that you could sort of step into it. And then she found out this little boy named Bear made this portal, as she called it. <laughs> and she, um, and then they would leave notes and things for each other in this portal. She would go to the and it was in this local park. Right. And so this child would was making this thing and then would leave things and then she would leave things. And they started this kind of dialogue, which was quite cool. Um, um yeah, I did a whole podcast episode um, on my podcast you can listen to that we can link here for you mm -hmm. about the whole thing. But so I sit almost every day out with this tree in this enclosed rock circle, and it's really become a mindfulness practice and a naturalist practice. And um, and strangely, perhaps more strangely, is it's become a practice of connecting to women in particular all over the world for me. So I sit in this portal and I imagine what other women around the world. And I say women because that was really just what was shown to me as I've been sitting there. It's like images of women and considering all the ways that women take refuge under trees, right. to, give, to have give birth, to lay their young or their elderly to rest. Like we bury people under trees. We right. celebrate our greatest things under trees. We take shade under trees when we're working hard. We carve our name into them when we fall in love. Like there's we have our bagged lunch as MIT professors sitting out in the in the quad at universities. There's right. there's a million ways that we are under trees. And that's true if you're in Nepal. It's true. It is irrelevant of the kind of tree. It's just true. Like there are young women in Mexico sitting with trees right now. And point being, I imagine these women sitting 
and taking refuge and celebrating and grieving and loving and doing all the things that they do under trees. And it occurred to me when I think of specific women taking rest, perhaps from like working in a field all day or gathering something all day in the hot sun, I recognize that I don't have to do that today. And so when I sit in my portal, I think about what other women are doing in, in under their trees and what they might need that I have. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, like physical safety for me is a big one. Like I'm fortunate enough to live in a safe place where I'm physically safe almost all of the time. And that's not something that I take lightly when I consider what other women around the world are up against. And so when I sit in the tree portal, I really, really intend I have safety. Who needs the safety? Who can, who needs this? And I imagine that really running through the roots of the trees, running through the mycelium that the biologists have, have, this is not woo. This is like the world, the wood wide web is actually like a biological thing now that scientists acknowledge. Um, And they know that information passes through the neural network of the woods and the trees and the mushrooms and all of that in ways that we had never really understood before until quite recently. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I imagine sending this kind of electrical impulse of intention to the women everywhere. If like, well, if, if the trees can send their nutrients to a different tree who needs it or keep it from one who doesn't, then the trees have really shown me we're not any that different from that and that we can do that as well. So when I imagine sending my safety or my well-being, or I need it on a hard day. Like there are days where it's hard and I'm in my portal and I'm crying my face off and I'm saying, who has strength today? Who has joy today? Because today what I need is some reshifting into some joy or reshifting into some confidence or moving through the self-doubt in some way, finding the forgiveness, finding the, whatever my challenge that day is, I can ask for that and acknowledge that someone has that and I can give what I have. And this reciprocity of relationship with women energetically around the world has made me feel so connected and so empowered and so aware of the strength of womankind. Um, it's been incredible. There's so much, there's so much that is running through my head as you as you're speaking. It's a beautiful practice. I applaud it for so many reasons. I think what I love most about it is when we're always trying to be of service to others or trying to figure out what we need and get it. What you're doing is literally sitting and being intentional and putting that out through a massive global network by just sitting in your backyard. It's so beautifully simple and you get what you need and you're giving what others need by setting that intention in that space. Beautiful. And now there's like 20 of them around the world, which is pretty cool because we started a tree portal society. And (laughs) you did. Yeah. I mean, what that that means is like, so then I told Michelle about my tree portal and then she has the most beautiful tree in her yard. I mean, that tree is like truly, if you haven't read Finding the Mother Tree, we found it it's in Michelle's yard. <laughs> yeah, it's in her backyard. Yeah, all, I mean, it's tree really... that just hugs us every day. Yeah, tremendous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And sadly, many days I just get come and go from the house and don't even acknowledge that it's there. But when I do, you're right. I sit there and I just like stare at the tree because I have a, a couch that's underneath the tree, and I can just lay back in the couch and look at the tree, and it's like, yep. I have everything I need. And it's it's such a great a practice of gratitude and restfulness and mindfulness. And, you know, it's, it's a big tree and, and people drive by it. Hundreds and hundreds of people drive by it every day and no one knows it's there. It's like the, it's like the wisest elders in our community. 
yeah. just drive by and don't acknowledge the wisdom that's sitting right there. And yeah. and the tree has really made it known to me that the big part of what we get to do with the tree is really surrender. There's so much that we as women carry that we we were built to stretch, right? We all know that just from right. our capacity to have babies, like we're built to, to, to stretch and to expand, but we're not meant to carry the baby forever in our womb as we are not meant to carry the grievances and the grief and the cultural tensions and the weight of it all. We are built elastically to expand, but we weren't meant to carry everything. And the trees offer us a place to sit and surrender and let what we can't carry or need not carry. It really is a place to let it go. To shed it. Like Thanksgiving dinner, like let it go, (laughs) let it go. Yes, that is the meal I will not talk about on my podcast yeah. <laughs> ever. <laughs> well, that is um, a beautiful practice that our listeners can find in their own yards or in the woods near their house. They can find their special tree. And I, I love that a tree portal society, there are these places, but that you return to the same one and the practice mm-hmm. is being in the same spot every time so that you can notice What's different? What's the same? You know, what animal is coming by? What shade of leaves the tree is? How the wind is today? And just all those things like you're not ever searching. It's all right there. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's something, there's so many lessons about the way we see life and, and our sense of presence in life when we sit with a tree and just notice. Like the fact that I know that for some reason, ants are really drawn to coffee, but not yerba mate. Fascinating. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that information, but it's like, okay, but I, I have a, I get to notice how I notice, mm-hmm. right? It gives me this sort of meta experience when everybody talks about meditation, which is really beautiful and valuable. And you can also do it with your eyes open, noticing if the ants are moving towards your coffee or not towards your yerba mate the next day, because when you do the same thing repetitively and just for the, for the goal of noticing, you really start to see how you look at the world, right? How do I see people becomes as much of a question as what do I do? Oh, I see people for a living. How do I see people for a living? Oh, here, you're right. Yeah. Well, I know, you know, when I visited your tree that first time when you introduced me to this concept, I remember you telling me that there was, um, you had been sitting there and a little fox came by in our fox family. And so I was like, all right, let's explore, see what happens. And I sat there for a few minutes with my eyes closed and just used the senses of the wind and the sound and, you know, feeling the breeze. And when I opened my eyes, there was a squirrel not three feet in front of me, just staring at me. Like I didn't hear the squirrel come up. I would normally be terrified of a rodent in my close proximity, but I just sat there and the squirrel noticed me and I looked. (laughs) And and so it was me noticing my fear, but not allowing myself to do anything with it because I was supposed to be sitting in this meditation. And and so the, the squirrel eventually backed off, went up the next tree that was in front of me, came across the branches and started coming down right where I was sitting. And I was like, okay, now do I? (laughs) But I was just, I started chittering at it. Like, all right, squirrel, let's hang out. And it was, and it was cool. It just sat and like, we hung out, me and a squirrel. Never happened before, might never again, but it was a really neat, quiet, calm nature moment. So uh, yeah, you never, you just never know. You're open to the experience. And there's like, there's a lot of language now where folks are referring to nature as the more than human world. And what I love about that idea is it, it reminds us that the, that the lens we look at our world with, it's, 
it is so human focused. And actually there's more not human than human. Right. Let's I mean, if you want to sort of right? rate, like in the inverse is actually far more true, like plant species, animal species, fungal species, way more of those than us, way more, way more, all of it than us. And yet we talk about our world. And I think it's an interesting, I think sitting in a sit spot has really reinforced to me the idea that perhaps what's true is that we are a part of a bigger world that we are not at the helm of, of course, yeah. um, but, but to sit there and notice, to spend time every day noticing what is important to nature about nature itself and how it does itself. Since we are mapped and created on the same structures, it's a very valuable human experience to spend time noticing the more than human world because mm -hmm. it has a lot to inform us about us more right. than the influencers on Instagram. Right. Like <laughs> oh, if we could only right. Well, you know <laughs> when I Diane. when Just I have, when I it's a, it's a kind of a good uh, segue to the to the next section of the podcast, which is experiences. But when I have an, a moment with an animal like the squirrel, I will go to my phone afterwards and, and search for the squirrel spirit animal. And what is the squirrel trying to tell me? The woodpecker, the wood, the duck, what, you know, what did I just come across and what would it have to tell me right now? It's always meaningful. I mean, you can always take something from anywhere, but it's like, huh, cool. Okay. <laughs> Thanks squirrel. Thanks for that little note. And you could just, again, like the tree, you could just go right by and not even notice. So we're, we're kind of crossing a bridge from the earthly realm to the spiritual realm. And I really am excited to talk to you about um, a service that you have been offering this year um, on intu intuitive sessions. So let's talk about that experience. Yeah. Well, I came out of the intuitive closet earlier this year because I feel like, again, as women, it's very easy to minimize our gifts and to keep them hidden because they're really powerful. And when I realized that I was disempowering myself by just not acknowledging that uh, ability um, and I could be supporting other people with it who might need that insight, um, that it would be smarter for me to just be brave and tell people I can do that uh, and see what happens, really. Because you're stepping out of a box that everyone knew you as Robin Ivy, the photographer. Now you're coming out as coach and as intuitive. And that didn't that didn't seem like a intuitive step, but it, right. it was a well, step. Yeah. Because what most people don't really know is, you know, I got a, I really, my mom gave me a camera when I was 12. But then when I was 15, I left home and I went to Germany for a year as an exchange student, but not on a program, like just with a suitcase and a good wish. And I know it's a whole other podcast. <laughs> and after my mom passes, we'll talk about that in a whole different way. But um, what happened was because it was before the Internet, before it was 1989, it was the year the Berlin Wall was coming down. It was a monumental time to be in Germany for a year, for sure. But it also was a time where in terms of relying on my myself, I learned so much about trusting my intuition because I was a 15 year old kid in a country where I had no language. I had no cultural understanding. I had nothing that I would typically use. Like we take for granted the things that we use to clue us in to how we know about anything in our day to day. If I'm standing next to somebody in a grocery store, how do I know they're, they're a safe person? How do they not stealing from me? How do I know how do you know a lot of things, right? How do you know what they mean from the body language of the people across the street when you watch two people arguing? Well, you know, because we have a cultural context for that. We have body language, we have gestures, we have 
the meaning that we've made and connected around things. And I was suddenly in a place where I had none of that. Mm. And I had to make sense of things that would go wrong. Like I would be standing on a train platform at the end of the night and the train wasn't coming. And not only did I not understand the message because I didn't speak the language, but then I'd just be sitting there by myself as a 15 year old girl on a train, whatever, wait, trying to figure out like, well, what what just happened? And now what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. And in the moments where really it was the end of the day and like, no, there, nothing's coming. And it's like, well, am I sleeping in this train station? <laughs> am I asking a stranger? And so, if so, what stranger? And like, how do I decide who would be a good person to ask? And also, oh, I just got sick. And I'm in this random town and like, who would I get help from? Like, there were so many things I had to figure out and didn't have context to do that or the tools traditionally taught to me as a 15 year old at that point. So I you started to, to go with your gut, like every I day. I rely every on day. all sorts of stuff that just wasn't what I had ever had to kind of consider here in suburban Rhode Island, really. Throw the, throw the toolbox out and build a new one. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. so what happened was then I came home and was completely discombobulated because I just rely, I had used a completely different tool set. And mm. now it was coming as I had just learned how to eat with chopsticks and now I was coming home and nobody eats that here. <laughs> right. There's a, like, you hand you a fork and a knife and you're like, uh, what about the noodle? What's it? Well, so <laughs> then I went to college and I met a spiritual teacher, a metaphysical teacher. And she kind of, she really helped me understand the context in which I had been using my intuition. She was the first person to be like, that was actually your intuition you were using. How did I know which grandmother, Italian grandmother to ask for directions or if I could, if they could guide me to a place to stay? Well, intuition. Well, which person? Well, noticing. Oh, okay. Presence, noticing, watching, looking reading energy, seeing different things and really feeling what happens in my body? What clue does my body give me about this? Do I lean forward? Am I leaning back? Like, what do I get to notice in this moment in my being, in my thinking, in my energy? All of this different kind of noticing became a different world of working with instead of, you know, the regular stuff. Well, it's following the rules, doing what you're told, you know, staying in the lines and, and the way you, you grew up, your upbringing is it sets the foundation for what's okay and what's not okay. And so to step out of that entirely in such a foreign way, um, there are no rules anymore. So you've got to, you've got to be, what is it? The hierarchy of needs. You've mm -hmm. got to make sure you're safe. You got to make sure you're you're, you know, you have something to eat, <laughs> you're sustaining right. your life. You know, one of those things that you're pursuing, you know, that, that's very interesting. Well, and what we understand about American children now is that most American kids are raised to be obedient. Right. School Parents system. are really proud and the school system is very proud. The public school system is very proud if you raise kids that get along and they do the thing they're asked to do and they're well-behaved and they're, nah, nah, nah. well, that's not, that's not what that was about for me. It was about what what do I actually need to stay alive and be a human and function in a place like what do I need as a human being, not as a, a obedient kid, preacher's kid from Rhode Island who mm -hmm. needed who, who was going to get a better grade if I cooperated in, in class. Right. And that opened a door to a whole other way of being. And this metaphysical teacher helped give me context. And for four years during college, I was in an apprenticeship with her twice a week. And we all the time. And we just practiced. She taught me about automatic writing. She taught me about spirit guides. 
because I was asking things like, well, who was I listening to? Like, how did I know which person to go home with? Why did I know some of what I knew? Why did some of these things happen to me or for me or what what was behind that? And she was able to explain a lot of stuff to me from a metaphysical container mm-hmm. that the Christian container I'd been raised in didn't really offer me a lot of answers to. Mm-hmm. And um, and suddenly you know, so fast forward, she taught me like a practice called automatic writing, which was really posing a question and then sitting. It's no different really than a, than a mystic Catholicism, contemplative prayer, frankly, right. Of like saying like, whatever you could say, Jesus show, like, what is your message for me today? You could say the Pleiades, what is your message for me today? Like, it doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter. It's a matter of, of putting forth a question Mm-hmm. And then sitting in a deep presence and listening for something that is beyond my intellectual mind chatter about it. It's not coming, th- it's not coming to you or from you. It's coming through you. Yeah. And so I, um, I've worked with that ever since, since I was a kid. I mean, since I was 15, I've always worked with this. And since I was 18, I worked with it in a kind of a specific, more of a particular framework. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time now I'm 48, so by now my Spidey senses are pretty dialed in, I think. Really very good. Very yeah. good. But, I mean, I'd be curious your perspective because, you know, I'm so used to doing this for myself, but it was really a different thing to start to say to people, hey, I could probably do this for you, not really knowing what I even meant by that. Right, right. So, so it's one thing, you know, reflecting on it for your yourself with your own context and frame of reference, but to come out and, you know, do this for others, I think is is a really incredible gift, um, a really, really neat service. So I think, um, you know, I get your newsletter and your podcasts and I will check in with them on a regular basis. And, and I'm like, oh, what is, what is this? You know, what is this intuitive session? And, you know, I've always heard the phrase like intuitive download or, you know, you're getting, you're getting information from somewhere that doesn't make sense that, you know, you're not, you're not going to seek out a source of information. It's just coming to you. And I've developed a practice in the early mornings when I have no interruptions to sometimes tap into my Akashic records. And so that spiritual sense of like, okay, what is the message for me that I need right now is a simple question for myself. But I'm like, how does Robin do that for other people? So this is so curious. Um, so I was like, yeah, let's do that. I want, I want to experience that. And um, it was, uh, I think it was what, an hour and a half, two hours to an hour and a half. Yeah. That we sat and and you had notes, you had the automatic writing, like you had asked the question on my behalf and you had notes and thank, I'm thankful that I recorded it because I was taking it in as you were speaking and being like, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, that makes sense. All right, that's a different framework. I hadn't thought about that. And it's it was a lot of, of reflection on my life for a full hour. And as these listeners to this podcast can witness, we both can talk a lot. And so it was a lot. And so to go back and listen to it, which I have a couple of times now, is really meaningful, like really very, very meaningful in in helping me to shift out of things that I am struggling to shift out of. You know, I'm I'm an empty nester this year. And so how how do you do that? And and how do you, you know, in the framework of your life when when you're a child who wants to be a mother someday and now motherhood phase is moving into a kind of a slower gear. It's like, what is this about? And and so just 
your reflections on my life without having me told you the whole situation was, and that's just one small piece of it, but it, it was really, really powerful. So I, I applaud it and I want other people to experience it for themselves. Thanks. And I mean, people often ask me about my process because typically for, if you, if you haven't gone to an intuitive session before nine times out of 10, what happens is you book your hour long session and you show up with your questions in your head and one of two things happens either the either the intuitive just starts to say stuff because or or you ask your question and then they respond with whatever intuitive answer there are and that's not how i learned this so and and really at the beginning i i wanted to just do what i knew because that just felt more the most responsible frankly mm -hmm. so before so the way i do it is i'll sit for an hour ahead of time often in my tree portal and we'll just ask to receive what's here for you like what's, what's yours that what's, what's the most valuable thing that you get to know right now, or that I can share with you based on wherever it's coming from. Uh, and then I take notes and it usually, you know, there's five or six pages of notes that just start to come through. And, um, and then on the call, I share that. And, and I really say like, I, it, what I found is really powerful about that method of working for me is that if you were to call and say, hey, I'm about to be an empty nester. And I'm so like, if we'd done it that way and you said, I'm about to be an empty nester. And it's like, what do you think about, like, what do you think's in store for me about that? Right. I could have an answer to that. From your human experience. Yeah. Or even I could like tap in and get that answer for you. But mm -hmm. that's a very different thing than when I sit for an hour ahead of time and really kind of download and get a full sense of the what's actually happening. And then I can speak to that with a deeper it's all in context then at that point, right? And instead of you having to say the hard thing, it's hard to say to somebody you don't know, or even somebody you do know, like, hey, this is happening in my life. You know, whether it's a molar pregnancy you weren't expecting to have, or, you know, I did a reading not long ago for a woman I'd never met her before and nothing good came through on her behalf about Ooh. like nothing. Well, I'll say nothing good. She, she was wanting, um, Everything I was getting was really about how awful her mom was. And I thought, oh no, like this woman's paid me hard earned money and she's doing this session and I don't know what she's hoping for. I don't know. I have no idea. Going in blind, really? Yeah, which is the nature of the thing, right? So I was like, okay, well, her mom is apparently Cruella DeVille <laughs> and I don't really quite know how I'm going to tell that to her, although I'm sure she knows, but- in case, like, I don't know what she's calling for. Maybe she could have wondered if, like, about her own empty nesting. And now I'm going to be like, oh, and also your mother sucks. And <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't know. But then I just thought, well, this is the process, right? This is like, I, this is what trusting the pro. this is what faith is, is no matter what your belief in, is if you believe in something beyond each of us. And if I believe I'm tapping into that or I'm, uh, have access to that, then I, I have no choice but to get out of the way because it's not my business. You can't it's edit not, it. I can't. It's not because too many weird things would come in like purple sneakers or like a yellow <laughs> panda bear. And I'd be like, what the heck is that? And I wouldn't say it, but you have to, I have to. Because you could have grown up with a yellow panda bear as a kid that was the most meaningful thing your grandparents ever gave you or you found on the road the day you got adopted or rescued or fill in the blank. And like, I can't, I don't know. I can't know you lived in an envelope house, but you did. And so if I say envelope, you know, I, we don't know. And so um, in fact, this woman's mother really was quite challenging and it was quite painful and it was very validating actually for her to feel seen because everybody thought her mom was so great. 
actually. Mm -hmm. And what was hard for her is living in this. My mom's not great, actually. And I'm tired of the public thinking my public mother is great when she's not. Mm -hmm. And I have to live with the pain and the suffering of how Corella DeVille she was behind the curtain of the public greatness and that suffering that went unseen and unacknowledged. Mm-hmm. So my experience of this is it's a lot of acknowledgement for what's really the deeper truths of what's happening for people mm-hmm. that often our wounds get in the way of us being able to connect the dots well about. For me in my session, I will say, you know, there were a lot of aha moments that I had just never considered looking at things that way. Mm-hmm. And when I've I've been reflecting back on the things that you told me through that session, I'm like, yes. That makes sense now. And there's great peace in knowing like, okay, this is just a different way of looking at something and to try to keep knocking my head against a wall to try to make something that wasn't sensical to me make sense when I can just shift my perspective on it and look at it in a different way and be like, okay, right. (laughs) Everything like it was just very peaceful. It was very, um, I guess validating is, is freeing. I want to say it's just a freedom in knowing I could change the way I look at things um, because of, of the gift that you gave me in that session. So thank you for that. And I welcome for that. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not, it's definitely not your average intuitive session of like, should I break up with them? Like it's not really (laughs) right. Like like, when we could talk about that, but it's not really, it's, I would, I was actually thinking like, I'm going to change it on my website from an intuitive session to like an intuitive experience because it's, Mm -hmm. it's a much different thing to sit and sit together in the truth of who you are and talk about how how you maybe can shift your lens in a way that supports less suffering and more liberation in your life. And that's probably kind of what it is. Yeah, that's hard to sell an email copy. So I'm that's, with you. It's hard. That's a hard sales page. It but is. if you're somebody who's suffering or banging your head against, like for me, it's about banging your head against the wall in that Groundhog Day thing of like, I'm just trying to fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. And sometimes pushing ahead that way, it's like, yeah, it's not up that hill is the problem. Just feeling stuck and knowing that there's somewhere out there, someone like looking after you and, and saying, yep, giving you that spiritual nudge, you being a vehicle for that is very cool. And mostly when people need it, it comes at a moment when there's a lot going on in our lives. Like everybody is intuitive and all of us have access to this. This is not some special skill I have. It's just a, it's a different way of learning to listen that I was taught young enough and had had enough felt experience with. So when the lady said, well, it's different than this, it has a feeling like this. And I was like, I know, because I remember standing on the train platform. I could mm-hmm. tap into the feeling sense of the thing that allowed me to make it more practical, I guess, mm-hmm. over time. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. And sure. thank um, you yeah. for letting I, me. I, I fully encourage it. Um, so the next section of our podcast is the S for sponsors. And I am talking today about Ender's Island, where uh, I will be holding a series of retreats, not because I want to do them as a business, but because I went there on a silent retreat um, this summer. And on my very last day, I longed for more time there. And I wanted to bring people back that had the same intention. And when I, when I say silent retreat, people lean in, they're like, what is this? Did, what, did you go on a mountain? You know, I'm like, nope, it was self-guided. I didn't allow myself to talk. The place supports the silent eating, the silent sitting, the silent journaling, whatever I wanted to do, it was in quiet. So 
as I've talked about it, people are like, well, why would you do that with other people then if you're not going to talk to them? <laughs> because other people need to do it. It is just a really moving practice. And so and it's really hard. Actually, The reason is because it's hard. Yes. I mean, that's one of the reasons like because I, I did a 10 day Vipassana meditation retreat. I was like forever ago. And it, it's talk about liberating, but it's really hard. And so to sit in silence in the ecosystem we live in now is simply very hard, simple, and, but hard. And, and also awesome. Because, yes. You know, the, totally. the hardest part for me was the first day sitting down at a table with eight people who also would not talk to each other. And my mind is spinning like, is this being rude? I'm not acknowledging this person who just passed me the salt. And I wonder what that person's story is. And like, I was, it's such for me, community meals are so joyful because of the conversation and getting to know you better and going, no, none of that. We were to eat together in the room and then leave without saying anything. And it was, (laughs) that was, that was. Yeah. And it's like, welcome to your quiet self, Michelle. And what's it like for her? And what is, what does she need that she doesn't get when Michelle's talking? Right. But what does the two, listener in you need? By day two, I was listening to the conversation down the hall from the chattery dining hall and all the people's drama. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. I can just enjoy this pasta dish and not talk to anyone. <laughs> yeah. It was imagine um, if it had been stuffed with cream corn. Cream corn and waterfront. It actually was waterfront. Enders Island is a former um, beach house of a surgeon who donated it to um, a Catholic order of priests who host many retreats. And it's, it's, um, they have a sacred art Institute. So I can see you and I doing something together there, Robin, that's very creative. I'm going to be working with Elaine DeJoy from. Oh, I love her. Yep, I love Elaine. Oh, oh, if, uh, if you are in the need for body work, mm-hmm. please call Elaine DeJoy immediately because <laughs> sh- I, what well, I say, if you feel like a, if you feel like a wrinkled bedsheet, Elaine DeJoy will smooth out your wrinkles in an hour in a way you can't even imagine. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's amazing. I, she has a um, a space in Southern Rhode Island and I call it my escape room because mm. when, I, and I, when you can't take a, a two day silent retreat off the coast of Connecticut, you can go to her room for an hour and it feels yeah. the same. Yeah. Can. yeah. So we're doing something on the epiphany January 6th mm. um, that 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 exhale post Christmas um, that that I always need because Christmas is hectic and I'm already breathing easier because I know that's coming up. So that is my sponsor for today is Ender's Island and our silent retreat series. More more to come on that, which brings us to the last part of our podcast, which is happiness. I give you the time to share something happy. Oh, I could uh, so many happy things. Um, I had a fire in my fireplace this weekend that really made me happy to sit outside and just enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite happiness thing lately is a, is a practice I'll share. It's thing I've been working with this in my coaching because on my coaching calls, what happens is people say, yeah, I just, I just have to. And if I, I just need to, and I just need to, and yeah, you're right. And like, I just need to. And there's then the list, the laundry list is like 50,000 things long of like, before they can be happy. Um, we need to lose weight. We need to maybe change our marriage. We pr- might need to get divorced. We definitely need to change our jobs. We certainly need to get more confidence. We really need to 
feel better. We need to sleep more. We also need to do more. We like, there's this whole list of all the An things. Impossible list of things that come before happiness. But, and, and it's all necessary before the happiness is possible. Mm-hmm. So, and I am this person, like that's, that is not something I'm saying that happens outside of my head. That's also something happening in, <laughs> inside my head. And when I was aware of that, I listened to a Thich Nhat Hanh uh, recently, and he was asking about if I could access a smile here, right here in this moment. And I really could not. I mean, I mean it, you guys, I could not. I was like, what do you mean? Like right now? And, I re- and I'm like, you mean, I probably could figure that. I could probably do that tomorrow, Thich Nhat Hanh, was my thought thinking. thinking it through. Yeah, I was no, like, you know what? I could possible. probably do that tomorrow, but I don't feel, I'm not really in the mood for that right now. And then I started to really sit in the presence of like, oh my God, what if, what if what's true is that the thing, the 50,000 thing list is actually a choice of me saying, Robin Ivy, will you take a breath and let yourself smile right now? Because if you won't, there is no 50,000 things on that list. There is nothing, your brain, there's nothing you're about to tell yourself to put on that list. If you cannot access a smile right here and now, you need not make your list. Until the smile is complete, the list is irrelevant. <laughs> Do not believe the hype. Could it so, be that simple? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, because the minute we switch into that joy, right? The minute I look at you and I'm like, oh, that's my friend. I love her. And I smile. Yeah. I don't need to do all those things on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Done. At least half Happiness of them go away. Now. Happiness here now, because that's all, all that stuff you have to do is taking away from your happiness. How about that? How come we got that wrong in our head? Change that lens. Because that's the path of obedience. Mm, huh. I will be happy if you just did these 50,000 things. Is there it what is. is. really true. There and that's the problem. We've all carried the baton of, oh, she said they'd be happier if I just. And so now I'm saying to myself, hey, you'd be happier if you just. Uh, or, Love that. Or we could smile. Just smile. So, um, you know how people put out little meme squares, questions on social media, and they're like, what's your superpower? And Mm. so you're reading the comments and everyone's fluffing up their professional, you know, and I'm like, hmm, what's my, I'm like, well, I smile a lot and I like to make other people smile. That's yeah. <laughs> you're, a, you're a joy bringer for sure. I love yeah, to you're, I would, I really think you're super, one of your superpowers and I'll, I'll argue you have many. One of them is you're, you're a really tremendous uplifter. Thank you. Really? That's true. Like energetically, spiritually, emotionally in your presence, you uplift everywhere you go. Thank you, Robin. Yeah, that's true. That matters. <sighs> Yeah. That is happy. You brought I mean, me don't happy. ask your teenagers that. Right I was just going to, I'm like, wait, there's a caveat to that. Don't ask your children that. If you have children, don't, I don't ask them that right now, but no, later. I'm not sure they would agree, <laughs> but uh, you know, our, that's, my that's their role. That's their job. Yeah. They're here to make, to push your buttons. Yeah. Oh, very good. Well, this has been wonderful. I've, I've wanted to have you on here since I started this, you know, four episodes ago. <laughs> and you, I want you to talk uh, before we close about your podcast because you have been publishing for much longer than oh, I have. Thanks. Um, yeah, I have a podcast called the Robin Ivy Podcast. And the mission is really to help people be more present and to create what's next. So we talk about creativity. We talk about mindfulness, noticing mother nature and the more than human world, spiritual things. And yeah, how to how to be more present and make your life matter. 
Well, you definitely helped me with that. And I listen often and thank you for all of your work. Thanks. Yeah, there's some pretty prolific cool amount of work. Yeah, we're at 50 episodes now. So it's pretty exciting. Oh, well, congrats. Yeah. So we will put links to that in the show notes. And um, thank you for being with us. Thank I you hope for having me. A very fresh day. <laughs> so that's it. Hope you enjoyed the Get Fresh podcast. If you liked it, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please find us online at freshrebellion.com. You can get our links to social media there. Join our Facebook group, Fresh From Rhode Island. And find me on Instagram, Sassy Michelle G, and Twitter, Sassy Michelle. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. Oh,